This is the West Coast Project podcast for Better Call Saul, and we're doing recaps of Breaking Bad, and we're up to 508, gliding over all. My name is Mike, and I'm here with Kelly. Hi, Kelly. Hello. Hey, Kelly. So we're at the, va- the very end of the first half of season five. Uh, some, co- some people call it season five and the last part season six. How do you look at it? Do you think it's just one super long season? Well, I like to call it season five and season six, but I've been scolded that it's season five and five and a half. Okay. Um, okay. It's just kind of up to the person, I guess. So, Kelly, you run, uh, you run uh, Better Call Saul Fun Facts and Breaking Bad Fun Facts. Do you have any fun facts for gliding overall? I do. Um, uh, what's interesting about this one, me being a woman, this is a, a really grisly episode, and we have uh, Moira Wally Beckett is the writer, and Michelle McLaren uh, is the director. So, uh, girl power on this one. And uh, I've got a couple cool things throughout the episode that I'll bring up. Are you saying girls can be grisly? Yes. All right. <laughs> so people may not know that we do two, we we've been doing two podcasts in a in our studio to get caught up here. We have a little separation. We do two in a row. But so in between this one and the last one we just did, Kelly, I went and got myself a glass of whiskey cuz there's such good there's a good whiskey drinking scene at the end of this one. Um so, so that's why I had to run away and put the put the recorder on pause for a while. But, yeah, you know with this with the title gliding overall um, you know, obviously we know at the end what gliding overall is with Hank, but then there's also the the uh, Walt Whitman poem gliding o'er all. So uh, we haven't really been mentioning much of the titles, but that's have you thought of anything else that that would pertain to? Well, Kelly, I would like to recite that poem to you. Oh, excellent. Even better. Gliding overall by Walt Whitman. Gliding overall through all, through nature, time, and space. As a ship on the waters advancing, the voyage of the soul, not life alone, death, many deaths, I'll sing. That's gliding overall. Wow. Is there nothing not symbolic in Breaking Bad? <laughs> yeah. And I was also looking just like reading the name Walt Whitman. That's really close to Walter White. It's like a couple letters different from, from our hero's name, Walter White. It really is. There's a lot of symbolism in this one. It starts out kind of with some of it with the fly at Vominos. Walt is watching another fly again, just sitting there thinking. Um, what do you think he was thinking about? This is right after, of course, Mike has g- glided overall and <laughs> glided away from life. But what do you think Walt was thinking at that point? Well, I know when in the fly episode he was, you know, he was trying to be getting rid of a contaminant. Um, and Mike, in a sense, is a contaminant that he had to get rid of. Um, so I don't know if that was any kind of symbolic meaning there. Um, but, you know, as much as they didn't get along, I think Walt had respect for, for Mike. But yet Walt, and we're talking about Walt and Mike, and I was saying Walt and Heisenberg now have, it's easy for us as viewers to see the two distinctive characters. Walt is way different now than Heisenberg. We saw Walt be really remorseful about Heisenberg killing Mike, even though it's the same person. Um, and now he looks like he's Walt, kind of reminiscing, like, wow, what's happened? What's going on? This thing is happening to me. I'm not doing it. I'm not causing it. I'm Walt, kind of watching it happen to me. Yeah, and he's this undertaking, he's going solo, except for a very inexperienced Todd. You know, and when Todd comes in and wants to talk about how cool, you know, they brought up our boy Joe... 
uh, and how Joe took care of the car and he was talking about how cool it was to crush it and stuff. You know, Walt's not in a jovial mood. He's like, I don't even want to talk about it. Yeah, that was gruesome. That You're right about Grizzly. Todd says it's cool to see that and um, old Joe took care of it. And the, and the other thing, of course, is Mike's body that they have to take care of. Right, this episode too. Every every main character is seen in this episode, and even Mike, they show his corpse for a half second. Um, but all the main players you will see in this episode. Yeah, and even Saul. I guess Saul's at the end, but he doesn't speak much. He's just in it for a quick, quick set, quick scene. Right. So Jesse shows up, and they have to shut the trunk to hide Mike's body. Um, Jesse wants to ask about Mike. Did he get away safely? And Walt just says he's gone. <laughs> kind of, kind of answers him. Uh, yeah. And Jesse's worried now that the nine guys still are out there. But Walt says it's not your problem. You're out. So Walt's shutting him him out of the whole picture now. Yeah, he's like, you know, we. Who's this we? There's no we. And that was it. That was the first scene. We get the credits. The opening credits. Um, we come back and Walt's in the shower. He's looking really tired and worn, Kelly, from this at this point. Um, and we get another little teaser of the Leaves of Grass book in the bathroom as he's toweling off from the shower. Oh, I didn't notice that. Good catch. Right in the beginning, yeah. Um, so we see the DEA making a deal. And I guess that this is with uh, the laundromat guy, Dennis. Mm-hmm. Yes, Dennis. Yeah, and they do this thing called Queen for a Day and a 5K. <laughs> Did you catch that, or did you ever look that up? I didn't. Um, I'm assuming they that were trying to sweeten the pot, but he looks like he's about ready to sing like a canary. Yeah, he wants to because he knows he wants he knows he's caught and he's got no other options. But basically, it's hard to put this into a couple quick lines. But Queen for a Day and a 5K is something prosecutors do to grant immunity to people when people that are caught in crime and criminal activities, give them cooperation. It's like a plea bargain. What's the 5K? Uh, ah. You know, I tried, to, I tried to boil all this down into something I could easily tell you, but I, I don't know. That's essentially it. It's, the, it's a plea bargain. Um, I don't even know what the queen for a day figures in, how that figures in. But uh, it's an old term. It's been around a while, and it and it's essentially means if you give us information that we can use... We will give you a less, you know, an easier sentence. Um, and if and it's got some strings attached to it, though. Like if we give you, if you give us material that we try to use and we can't use it, you're, the deal's off. It's really slanted towards the prosecution because it's really a deal for people that are really up against it, really in, in you know, in trouble. Right. Um, but I'm sorry, I can't describe it better, but it, that's why they dropped this line, Queen for a Day in a 5K. Dennis wants wants to cooperate and get off the hook a little bit. So um, Hank has all the power. He, he's he got eight other witnesses, so he doesn't need Dennis for really much at all, and he tells Dennis this. He's got, what does he say, They're in a, he's in a, it's a seller's market or something? Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, it was just scary because this guy was really, you know, he wasn't going to turn and all of a sudden he's, you know, looking like he's about ready to just give them all they need. Well, I would have too. <laughs> Why not? You know? Yeah. Um, word must've gotten out or something, but yeah, he's really, he's really ready to talk to, to Hank about all this. Um, our next scene is with Lydia and her tea with her stevia. Walt shows up to get the list of the nine guys and Lydia's smart, man. She keeps that list in her head. She doesn't have it written down. 
Um, she's, uh, yeah, she's, you know, and I like the foreshadowing with her putting that Stevie in her tea. Um, and also when Walt walks in, he looks straight up pimp, like the hat, the glasses, the leather jacket, like he looks like an old mafioso. I mean, he's just completely taken over that Heisenberg character. Yeah, that's what I mean about how it's so easy to distinguish Walt from Heisenberg at this point. Right. That's all Heisenberg. <laughs> so, so those nine names have become ten now with the lawyer. Maybe that's why Dennis was so willing to talk. They heard in jail that the lawyer was caught, and now they all know the gig is up, jig is up, and they got to just get out of it as weaselly as they can. Um, but the, the nine names is now ten because the lawyer's in the mix, too. Right. So Lydia's measuring Walt here as she's talking to him, um, and she kind of senses that Mike's not around anymore. She's really smart. She's really onto Walt's game here, or Heisenberg's game. And but she offers up the Czech Republic. I think she's worried for her own safety. She offers up like, here, I've got more value to you. The Czech Republic. Five percent of the population of the Czech Republic uses meth. It's a huge market for you, Heisenberg. Yeah, because all he wants are those names. And she's like, well, you know, I'll give you those names. I'm good as dead. And if you're willing to get rid of all these guys in prison, well, then Wal or, uh, Mike must not be around anymore. And then, oh, yeah, that's what I thought. You know, the look on his face gives that away. So, you know, she's like, you only gave me protection from Mike. I want protection all the way around. And, um, you know, I think Walt respects her for how strategic she is. Yeah, she's a good negotiator for all her banjoized, frantic, hyper, hyperactive action. She's really a good negotiator. Right. And she knows all the logistics to get stuff back and forth to, to the Czech Republic. And she, she implies that she set up the whole Fring operation and his distribution network. And I actually would, would believe that. Yeah, I like the way that she says, do you honestly think that Gus Fring did that all himself? And sadly, I think that as many people are hooked on meth, I didn't realize this in the Czech Republic, but that is a staggering amount. I wonder if that's they don't true. Care. Probably. You know, I would imagine they've done their research. But, you know, these people don't care. It's all about money. It's not about, you know, the people and their lives are ruining. Of course, yeah. <laughs> so um, she wants to do 25 pounds a week, which would be $2 million a week. And she wants to start out with 10 pounds uh, and her cut's going to be 30%. And I guess Walt agrees to this. She writes out the names. Um, he could tell he was ready, though, to to put Lydia out of the picture because he had the rice in there right under his hand. Um, right. She she just kept trying to explain why he should do it. You know, and he says, Lydia, learn how to take yes for an answer. And, you know, that's the same advice that Mike had given Walt in 38 Snub. Exactly. Yeah, there's a lot of cool fun facts at the end of this one. I, I guess you'll probably hit them as we go through. But that, that was cool how she kind of she, – she reflected Mike's sensibility there. Right. She also says we're going to make a lot of money together like Tuco – like Tuco had once said, I think. Yeah, that's right. And so Walt puts the ricin back in its safe place behind the socket back home, the outlet back home. And he calls Todd and asks for the meeting. Um uh, I, I listened to another podcast, Kelly, the Bald Move guys, and they called these un- the uncle and the, his his team the uncles of anarchy. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen actually a meme of that before. 
Yes, yeah, so I think they're the originators of that. But the, the Walt and the Uncles of Anarchy scheme to put the hit in place to wipe out this whole group of nine or ten people. And they need to do it all together so they don't wipe out two of them and then the rest get protected. So they have to do everybody in two minutes. And so the Uncles of Anarchy talk about how they do it. How, do, how would we do that? And they first try to start saying, well, we could do it. We just can't do it your way. And Walt says, figure it out. And the way they figure it out is, like, it has to be pass-bys, no chaos. It can't just be uh, – uh, it can't really be getting the guy in the room and an hour later we kill him. It's like a pass-by, just walking down the hall or meeting someone in the bathroom or whatever. But they do it. They they do the hit in two minutes, all ten people. Yeah, and in the scene, too, it's interesting because Walt in the beginning is just kind of – acting blasé and is mentioning the painting on the wall, which I believe is the one that he saw during his fugue state uh, at the hospital. And, uh, you know, they're talking about, well, we, you know, getting Osama bin Laden was better, easier than that. And Vince Gilligan had admitted that Vince, that um, Osama bin Laden wasn't around at that time. So that was kind of an error. But, um, yeah, I like the way that he's just like, well, if you can't do it, you know, I'm, I'm going to have it done the way I want it to. So if you're not the man for the job and, you know, kind of got Jack, uh, you know, wanting to flaunt his feathers a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, they um, they mentioned a couple other things. Maybe you know about these in your fun facts, but they, they talk about chuntaros. Uh, chuntaros, I guess, are the it's – it's actually a slang word for Mexican Indians. And Uncle Jack says something like, we can't use chuntaros to do the hit. It has to be our guys in prison. Hmm. And then they um, they do this in three separate prisons um, to get all ten guys. But anyway, yeah, Walt Walt sees that painting. That was it's weird. I wonder if there are a lot of those paintings. He said, "What does he say?" I wonder if there's a warehouse that just stores all these paintings of the same scene. Yeah, it does seem like that kind of painting that you would see at a hotel, and you'd see in a lobby somewhere, and you know, yeah, it does seem like that kind of repeat painting pattern. Yeah. So Walt watches the hit. Well, he doesn't watch the hit. He watches his watch during the time of the hit. And it looks like it's at noon, like from noon till two minutes after noon. And the only people I recognized getting hit, Kelly, were the lawyer and the warehouse guy, Dennis. Did you know? Did you recognize any of the other people? No, I didn't. And I think those are the only ones that they focused on, really, that we would be familiar with. Um. But th- there's a lot of interesting things about how they did this scene. Um, and first of all, this prison had no running water and no electricity, and it was full of roaches. So they had to clean all of that out, and then they had to paint three different parts of the prison for the three different prisons getting hit. And then they had to put fake tattoos on the convicts because, again, there's that clearance thing, like the graffiti on the train, uh, that they didn't want to have anything that was going to be offensive to the viewer or a true Nazi symbol. Um, so a lot of interesting things there. And it's actually funny because none of the tattoos don't come right off. So a bunch of these guys had to get on the airplane full of these Nazi tattoos and uh, had to fly, you know, regular just public flights. Oh, great. Con Air. Yeah, they were kind of laughing about how intimidating they looked at the airport. But, yeah, really very interesting um, take on how they made everything come together. So Hank learns of all this at his office while he's giving a little PR session to look like a group of little cheerleaders and their teacher. 
to get out of the fun run, kids, probably. Yeah, so he's not happy at all about this. Um, Hank is, uh, Walt's over at Hank's house with Holly kind of kind of being dad to Holly. And uh, Hank comes home from work, and he's all grouchy and down, and they share a drink. They, they have this drink of whiskey, and Walt now has his whiskey on the rocks like Mike did. Like we talked about, he assumed Mike's habit of having whiskey on the rocks before he had it straight. Mm-hmm. And Hank has his straight, and they just stare, they start to share some stories about their youth. And did you uh, c- did you connect to the meaning of these stories, Kelly? Um, honestly, I found Hank's story kind of boring. Um, for as much that was going on, for him to kind of recollect back to when he used to mark trees and then they would cut them down. Uh, I don't know if there was any symbolism there, but. I, I do find it funny just to back up for a second that, again, Holly is always in the midst of chaos because he's sitting there being daddy and bumping her up and down. And here this chaos is going on on the TV in the background. And he's had her diaper bag with the bomb in it. And Skylar's had her. So that's kind of comical. Uh, but, no, I, I didn't really care for Hank's story. I wasn't sure what the point was of that. He says something about how, it, it, you know, Walt says, oh, great, you're out in nature. But Hank says, yeah, it wasn't that great. There was all kinds of bugs always dropping on you, and it was hot. I get sunburned and sweaty and hot with bug bites. And um, but, but then he says it was better than chasing monsters, which is what he does now. And he's in kind of a luxury job now. He's probably getting paid pretty well, and he's like an executive in an office, a corner office with nice amenities and all that. But it's not as good as when he was out in the scrub tagging trees for beer money. Oh, did you notice how um, you know when Walt or when Hank was saying, it, you know, it's like chasing monsters? How Walt looked at him, kind of like, "Are you calling me a monster?" But without Hank really knowing it, he looks kind of angry on his face. Yeah, that was cool audience service. Like, we all knew what was going on, but but Hank didn't. Exactly. And then Walt's story is about camping. His his reminiscence is about camping, which I didn't catch the meaning of that. Like, maybe he was just, like, humoring Hank a little bit. Like, I like camping, too. I like going outside in the outdoors, too. But I don't know. Um, okay, Kelly, now we see the coolest musical montage of the whole series. My very favorite, this uh, Crystal Blue Persuasion by Tommy James and the Shondells. Um, they play the entire song, which I think was a little bit unusual. They've used other music, and maybe except for the Badfinger song at the end, I don't think they've ever played the whole song before. Exactly. Yeah, they did play it through the whole duration, and it was interesting to kind of see how they were short, sort of showing everyday life in a world of chaos and kind of how things were sort of going together. Well, yeah, in everyday criminal life, right? They're showing them cooking and ca- their cash counting montage and uh, all their shipments to both the Czech Republic and to Declan and Phoenix. And um, this song and this montage represent three months of time showtime. So three months are passing during the time of this sh- this uh, musical montage. Mm-hmm. Um, then we jump ahead. I guess the kids are at the Schraders again and Junior is playing with Holly and until he gets a call from Lewis and he's going to Skylar asks him to do something with the family. He just says, no, I'm going to spend time with Lewis. But Skylar, Skylar looks really happy here with Marie Kelly. Um, there, here's our roller coaster kind of at the top again, I guess. Yeah. And it's interesting because, um, Walt Jr. is playing peekaboo with Holly, sort of like how Jesse was playing peekaboo with a little, uh, with Spooge's kid in peekaboo. 
Um, but that shot of, of um, Baby Holly on that pink, with her pink jumper on that purple carpet, this is a very colorful episode. Um, but, yeah, she looks a little hurt because she's asking Walt, like, hey, you know, we're getting along. You want to go watch a movie? And he runs off with his friend. But for the most part, she's looking like she's kind of settled into the criminal life. She, well, she looks very content with her family life. Like, I'm really proud that my son is a good brother to her to his little sister. He's taking care of her. You're a really good brother. You're good with her. She just looks really proud of Junior. Mm-hmm. She looks happy. She actually looks content and happy. Um, and Hank and Marie want to give kids back. It's been long enough. The three months have passed. Um, and Skylar looks a little bit worried about that. But um, we see a scene at the at the... I guess that this triggers her to do what she does in this scene because she goes home at the White House, waltz outside by the pool, a very blue-looking pool. Kelly, what's the meaning behind the blueness of this scene at the pool? Uh, probably just the whole crystal blue persuasion. It's a really colorful um, episode. And you, if you look, you know, when they go to the storage unit, I'm getting ahead of myself a little, but that's all bright blue as well, uh, you know, and blue math, obviously. Yeah, the colors were actually very pleasing to watch. It was like an, it was like a happy happiness again, a little happy zone here. Yeah, um, and when Tyler says, hey, you want to take a ride with me, you know, that's the same as Gustavo said to Walt when, they were, when he was going to show him the Super Lab. So a lot of repeat symbol- symbolism in this episode. So they drive out to see what Skylar wants to show Walt, and it's this storage container with the money. A lot of money in there, Kelly. Too much to count, too much to weigh. And Skylar even has no idea how much money is in there. Yeah, and, you know, I think Walt finally figures the undertaking of what she's got to do. Like, remember back a few episodes ago, he's like, I don't care what you do with it. You want it to be the Danny, so handle it. And, um, you know, so now she's stuck with this huge pile of money. And uh, she's trying to say, well, look, you know, this is enough money for ten lifetimes. Um, but it's funny, they had to rent that storage unit um, for like a year so they could keep the same one for filling. But anyway, yeah, so I think Walt was a little surprised to see how much money was there. Skylar's t- tending to this money almost like it's some pet or, like, or maybe even like a monster. Like, I can't count it. I don't know how big it is. I don't know how much it is. But I spray it for bugs and I keep it kind of under control here. She doesn't, it doesn't seem like she likes it. She just wants her life and her kids back. And she wants all this shit to stop. And she, she asks him how much is enough. Um, I, but anyway, I like the scene of the money, Kelly, because it was Gilligan again showing us the money, the physical amount, size of the big brick of money. Kind of like when he showed the legacy money getting whittled down by Mike moving it around on that table. Yeah, I, I was shocked. I remember when I first saw this, I was like, holy shit, that's a lot of money. Um, so next we see Walt back at the oncology center getting a test, um, and he just takes the test and goes, washes his hands, kind of cleans up in the bathroom. He sees that old punched towel dispenser. Um, so Kelly, what happened in this test? What do you think happened? Well, I think that his cancer is back is what I think happened. Didn't his cancer come back? Yeah, I think you're right. So you think he learned right here and now that your, your cancer is back. Yeah. Yep. Because the first time when they found out that the cancer was gone, then he hit the, um, 
the paper towel dispenser, like shit, you know, I was doing this cause I was going to die and now he's end up where now he really is going to die. Right. Um, but it, it, one quick thing is if you pause this, you can see the cameraman in the, in the reflection. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but yeah, so that that's kind of interesting how they came back to that too. Yeah, I think he has to know at this point that the cancer's back because he has no chance to go in for any more testing after this. Because things mm-hmm. happen, things ex- spoiler alert, <laughs> but things accelerate and happen so fast now from this point forward that he doesn't go in for any more testing. So right. this has to tell him that the cancer's back. And and where he kind of punched the thing last time when he when he found it was in remission, mm-hmm. he's he doesn't punch it this time because he he hears the opposite. Yeah, and Skyler had just said a few episodes ago, I'm just waiting for you to die, you know, so that didn't help that now his cancer is back and he's only got so much time left. Yeah, again, it's Gilligan and his writing crew, like, stamping mm-hmm. this, this this constraint of time to make pressure build up. Mm-hmm. Um, so he goes over to Jesse's house. Uh, Saul, I guess, at this point has already told Jesse about the prison hits. Um, and Jesse kind of misunderstands why Walt's there. He says, look, I'm not coming back. Don't try to get me back. And um, Walt's not really there for that reason. He's just there to you know, say hello and, as we'll find out at the end of the scene, drop off some money. But um, they reminisce a little bit. And this is kind of cool hearing them talk about the, the crystal ship and stuff. Walt says he's seen an early 80s Bounder RV around town. And they, they reminisce. It was kind of cool watching them talk about that. I thought it was cool, too, and I like it when Jesse says, we had a lot of money. Why did we keep this, you know, piece of shit, per se, uh, RV? We could have gotten a much better one and, you know, making up a story that we, as viewers, never saw when they apparently ran out of gas and Walt waited on the side of the road hoping nobody would help them. And, you know, we never saw that. So that was kind of interesting that they brought that in. Yeah, and we're seeing the endings of some things here, Kelly. They will never cook again together. I don't think for from now on till the end of the the series, uh, and Walt himself will never cook at all again. Um, Jesse will unfortunately have to cook, but I don't <laughs> think they'll ever cook again together. And Walt will never cook anything again. Uh, but this meeting's kind of tense. Jesse's not quite sure of the whole thing, but Walt does leave him a couple bags of money, and we find out that Jesse all along had a gun uh, for his protection. His gun was in his waistband. Right, and it's interesting, too, because earlier in this um, episode, Walt was talking about, if you don't cook again, I'm going to have nothing. And if you look at when, when Walt comes over, Jesse's just sitting there with his hand on his ear with you know, kind of some to, some uh, to-go food, just kind of sitting there all alone. So Walt is essentially right. How much money do you think he gave him in those bags? I think he, what did he owe him, five million? Yeah. Yeah, so I'm sure that's what he gave him. Yeah, because there's no way he gave him half of what was in that room. But but Jesse didn't help make that meth either. So $5 million would have been fair, I think. Yeah, because earlier Walt was trying to say, well, oh, aren't you holier than now? You don't want this blood money. You know, why don't I just do you a favor and I'll just keep it for you? You know, and I think Walt does have some heart when it comes to Jesse and didn't feel right keeping it. Or maybe it's just a ploy to get him to come back by being nice. I think we're getting I think we're seeing Walt here and not Heisenberg and he was just being nice to Jesse like here this is this is only fair this is your money. Yeah. Um but our roller coaster is about to hit the top of the peak the happy happy 
before it goes down into sad, sad. So Walt goes home and he tells Skylar, I'm out. And it's a really tender scene of like family happiness sitting around by the pool. It's all mundane conversations. The kids are together. Marie and Hank are over there visiting. They're having a barbecue or something. Um, they're, this scene's actually really cool because their conversations are overlapping. I think Marie and Skylar are talking about how to wash their hair, color their hair or something. It's all, it's all like fun, casual stuff. Um, and they, then they talk about Hank when the conversation comes back together where we can hear it. it it's Hank talking about making more, some more Schrader brow, making his beer. Right, right. And it kind of all, this episode kind of circled back. I mean, this reminds me of when they, in the early days, when they would barbecue and hang out and everything was great, you know, maybe in the beginning. Um, but, yeah, it's interesting that he's thinking about starting up the Schrader brow and maybe, you know, this whole prison Killing is kind of worn off, and everyone's just sort of jovial. So I'm, I'm digging for some meaning in this Schrader brow, Kelly. It, it, first of all, it seems like he must have been good at it. The beer must have tasted pretty good because they all kind of agree, like, yeah, make some more. You know, we like that beer. But what's the meaning of it? Like, Hank's making beer while Walt's making meth. Hank's making this innocent, good-tasting beer, and they like it. On the other side of that coin, Walt's making this evil meth. That was a kind of a cool counterpoint, I thought. Yeah, I hadn't thought of that, but uh, that could be very well true that they were trying to kind of show the opposites. Okay, of course, the next scene, Hank goes into the bathroom. Now, Kelly, there was a million questions by people on Reddit and everything about what bathroom do you use when you're visiting somebody's house, whether it's a stranger or a family member, and do you ever go in and use somebody's master bathroom in their bedroom like Hank did there. Um, but Hank goes in there and he sits down and he's looking for something to read while he's doing his business. And he finds the Leaves of Grass, Grass book by Walt Whitman with the inscription from Gale. And it's the, it's the look on his face. And uh, we know that he's revealed Walt as Heisenberg. Right, and I don't know how they do this, but you can literally see that color drain from his face, and then he has that flashback of when you know they're having that conversation so many episodes ago, or Walt says, "You got me," um, and he puts it all together. Uh, so you kind of go from this jovial family time to now. Hank, I remember just being at the edge of my seat because Hank, as we've all been waiting, has finally figured it out. I mean, it's huge. And for us as viewers, we had a super long wait. This episode aired on September 2, 2012, and the next episode was on August 11, 2013. So it's just under a year before we had to see what happened as <laughs> a result of Hank opening that book and finding out what was Heisenberg. Wow. <laughs> Brutal, man. I waited. <laughs> I didn't quick view through these. I had to wait, like probably a lot of people listening did. But, boy... And that was the end of the first half of season five, uh, gliding over all. So there was a little bit more trivia. Do you have any more fun facts from your fun facts, Breaking Bad fun facts website, Kelly? Well, the Leaves of Grass, that book that he's got in his hand on the toilet, um, sold at an auction for $65,500. Um, so that's kind of that's a lot of money to spend on a book. Uh, but I guess if it's off the Breaking Bad set, you would pay that kind of dough. Um, 
and then also Walt uh, Brian Cranston in real life owns one, but it doesn't have the uh, Walt Whitman poem in it. Uh, but other than that, I don't think I have anything else. Yeah. So, th- so this is the closing episode for the first half of season five. I'm I'm going to call it like a season of its own, but they call it this all season five. This was five oh eight. The next episode is Blood Money. Um, some people call it five point two point one. We'll just call it five oh nine. We won't have to wait. 11 and a half months, Kelly will do it soon. Um, <laughs> so until then, we can find your Breaking Bad fun facts and Better Call Saul fun facts at your website. You want to give out the URLs for those? Yep, I have Breaking Bad fun facts and Better Call Saul fun facts on Instagram, and I have Breaking Bad fun facts also on Facebook. And my Twitter is at Scathing Tweets, and what's yours, Kelly? It's BRBA underscore fun facts. All right, so look for all these links. They're posted in the show notes on West Coast Project under our Better Call Saul podcast. We're halfway through the last season of Breaking Bad for our recaps, so I'll see you next time at Blood Money, Kelly. Sounds good. The sun is rising Most definitely A new day is coming People are changing Ain't it beautiful Crystal blue Yeah.
crystal blue persuasion.